This resource combines expositional sermons and lectures from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary to help equip listeners for the work of the ministry. Now, let's look first of all to A, which is theologically we need to consider hermeneutical concerns and biblical theology for the pastoral ministry. And I've listed these two things together as a heading. I could have made them separate, but I believe they are very close in their, <clears throat> in their purpose. Uh, so that we need to understand how they function and what their purpose is. Now when we talk about hermeneutical concerns, during 40 years plus in pastoring, it has become my observed belief, and this is with contact with many, many hundreds of pastors and students over the years, that the single most educational need of today of today's students and ministers is to be taught a clear, concise, and reformed hermeneutic, and that over and over. The root of many disagreements on justification, sanctification, covenant theology, dispensationalism, the law and the gospel, preaching itself, the regulative principle, missions, worship, and so forth come from erroneous or defective hermeneutics, the very entranceway into our biblical study and the formulation of our beliefs and our theology and practice. This means that sometimes sincere Christians are talking over each other or talking past each other rather than examining the biblical accuracy of one's interpretive principles which lead to one's position. And again, the principle of hermeneutics are, what are the biblical principles to interpret the Scripture? If you have different hermeneutics in your discussions with another brother or sister, or a different emphasis in your hermeneutics, you may talk past one another and never be able to arrive either at unity or peace in believing. So our hermeneutics is extremely important along the way. I attempted to demonstrate this point in my previous work, The Baptism of Disciples Alone, because as I went through my change from Presbyterianism to Reformed Baptist, it was the hermeneutics that caught my eye as the foundation for what we believe in the end. And because of that, I had to focus in on hermeneutics in my little book for you. And it is still my belief that disagreement over baptism is rooted in one's hermeneutical consistency with the reformed hermeneutic of the grammatical, historical, theological method. However, the issue goes far beyond baptism. The history of Reformed hermeneutics reveals a certain perspective of theological interpretation which is rejected by dispensationalists. 
and which is misapplied by many Reformed and Pedobaptist theologians, and I might say Reformed Baptist as well. Further, the specialization of areas of theological education has resulted in special emphases in certain areas of Reformed hermeneutics, which may sacrifice the whole council approach, thus diminishing the balancing of hermeneutical principles into a whole interpretation. Now, Burkhoff's book on <clears throat> Protestant uh, principles of biblical interpretation, excuse me, it's an old book. It was printed in 1950. And I've surveyed the more modern books on hermeneutics as well as the old standards. And I believe Burkhoff holds the ground in describing what is the Reformed hermeneutic that came out of the Reformation. What was at work in Luther, in Calvin, and Zwingli, in Knox, and especially the Puritans. And so, understanding uh, hermeneutics has everything to do with your pastoral theology. Another book is Let the Reader Understand by Dan McCartney and um, Charles Clayton. And I believe this book uh, tries to follow that, um, that reformed hermeneutic of the grammatical, historical, theological method. And he has good balance and how to bring all of those principles together, and especially his work on the priority of hermeneutical principles that is missing from so many of our discussions today. So I encourage you to get these two books when you study hermeneutics, and you can ask Rich Barcellus all kinds of intelligent questions when you do that. This is at the heart of our preparation, men, and it's given too little attention in seminary studies, and when men are self-studying, they often don't know what they're missing and can be led into error when they think they're simply following the Bible. In my opinion, well, I'm, I'm lost here just a minute. However, um, oh, I was talking about the specialization of everything but a university method of hermeneutics and specialized hermeneutics and uh, New Testament and specialized theories of New Testament. The, 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 the hodgepodge, the buffet of different topics without connecting everything together is what I believe is missing in theological education today. And the only way to break through that and bring unity and a whole perspective is to begin with hermeneutics. In my humble opinion, the greatest error in modern evangelical and reformed hermeneutics, even by those Protestants who profess to hold to the reformed grammatical, theological, historical theological method, is the rejection of or misapplication of how the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. In other words, that the New Testament must determine how the Old Testament is fulfilled in it, not vice versa. Yet both dispensational and pedobaptist interpreters, frankly, tend to rely on the Old Testament to have the authority to determine 
how it is fulfilled in the New Testament in certain doctrines. Not all doctrines, but in certain doctrines. But rather we must rely upon the final and consummating New Testament revelation to interpret how the previous Old Testament is fulfilled in it. And I believe this is the explanation of the very existence of dispensationalism. Progressive dispensationalism, progressive covenantalism, theonomy, pedo-communion, pedo-baptism, the federal vision theology, the new perspective on Paul, the rise of the neo-social gospel, the corruption of the regular principle of worship, the prosperity gospel, and much more. And that might seem like an extravagant claim, but the principle I'm talking about is the watershed hermeneutical principle of how the Old and New Testaments relate, which is the root of our divisions one from the other. If a pastor is not clear about his hermeneutics, then he can neither understand the Word of God accurately and teach it accurately to the sheep of Christ for their best benefit, nor can they guard the flock from error. For example, the dispensationalist confirms Scripture interpreting Scripture as a hermeneutical necessity. <clears throat> to us, that sounds like the same thing as the analogy of faith, letting all Scripture interpret a particular text, but it's not. <clears throat> this principle is not the same as the analogy of faith, the whole counsel of God interpreting specific scriptures in the light of the whole theology of the Bible. That is what is called the analogy of faith. In other words, to consider the whole of the faith, one must use cross-references, concordances, and parallel passages to illumine the meaning of particular words in a passage. Yet, you still may miss the overall covenantal context of a passage. How it applies or doesn't apply to the new covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a quote from Tom Hicks, who was again teaching a, <clears throat> a church, some elders, about what a Reformed Baptist is and what Reformed theology is. Hermeneutics refers to the theory of biblical interpretation. The differences among theologies are always at bottom a matter of differences in hermeneutics. How can we interpret text? What rules govern our interpretation of the whole Bible? Roman Catholics say that the church is the authoritative interpreter of the Scriptures. The Eastern Orthodox say the same, and some Anglicans come close to that. Presbyterians who baptize their infants and dispensationalists who say there is a future for national Israel both allow the New Testament to interpret some passages in the Old Testament and allow the Old Testament to interpret some passages of the New Testament. Reformed Baptists attempt to consistently allow later passages of the Bible to interpret earlier passages of the Bible. This means that when later Old Testament texts refer to the earlier parts of the Old Testament, we should pay close attention to what the later texts say and allow them to explain and draw out implications of earlier texts. This is the concept of progressive revelation. 
It also means that when New Testament explains Old Testament passages of Scripture, the New Testament has priority of interpretation over the Old Testament, particularly in its context. If the New Testament says an Old Testament passage has a particular meaning, we should assign that meaning to the Old Testament. And this is essential as an aside in understanding how to preach Christ from all the Scriptures. The same is true of the New Testament letters which explain the life and work of Jesus Christ. Presbyterians claim this same hermeneutic for themselves, but Reformed Baptists, humbly I hope, believe that they inconsistently apply it. This is nothing other than what Augustine said, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. This is also just how we read any book. We allow the later parts of the book to interpret the earlier parts of the book. Therefore, we need to make sure we have well-grounded hermeneutics before we start forming our exegetical, biblical, and systematic theologies. If we err a little when we sight in a gun, the distance from the bullseye will be great when we hit the target. The same applies to the accurate work of the pastor involving the souls of men. This is not just an intellectual debate. How we interpret the Scriptures affects the daily lives and choices of our people and those affected by those choices. We will give account to God for that as well. Well, I'm, I'm behind. We'll pick up at biblical theology next time. But I want to ask now if there are any questions that you would like to ask. And hopefully I can hear you and try to give answer to it. Uh, Landon, would you cut off the air conditioner so I can hear better? Or just... Yeah. Any questions at this point? Yes, brother. Who are you? Uh, David. Okay. David. Uh, my question is, uh, why does the uh, systematic theology uh, take priority over biblical theology? Why aren't they both on equal footing? I mean, it's not personal. I love systematic theology. <laughs> it's, so uh, it's not that I would have a problem studying it. I love studying systematic theology. I'm just curious why the systematic has priority over the biblical, or am I misunderstanding the approach? Well, first of all, when I'm, I'm thinking of exegesis and biblical theology and systematic theology, they are all equally important. We cannot do without either one of them. Um, but there is a progression of thought in that we do our exegesis to study the inspired text of Scripture to understand what the grammar says. That's the grammatical part of our uh, exegesis, of our hermeneutics. And then we move on, and that's important. We can't do systematic theology without that. In fact, uh, if you want to talk about the hermeneutical spiral, that's often a phrase that is used today, we build our principles of interpretation from exegesis that the Bible is self-testifying of itself as all God-inspired, 
all true, without error, from our exegesis. And then we move on to our grammatical historical study, which is to study the historical context of every text, its immediate context, its, uh, its canonical context, its, and, and its uh, testament, that is Old versus New Testament, what covenantal context the text is under, and then to try to understand uh, the progressive revelation of God in biblical theology, uh, and particularly having gone through the beginning to the Noahic era and to the Mosaic era and Abraham or Abrahamic Mosaic and Kingdom era and Davidic era and so forth, we see what God revealed of Himself in each of those eras, and that help us to understand how the new covenant is superior and fulfills all that the Old Testament pointed to. So we have to have that kind of study as well. Exegesis of the text and in its context, but also in its biblical theological context, and how all of those biblical theological contexts help us to understand the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of uh, Christ, uh, the doctrine of repentance and faith, the doctrine of um, the order of salvation. Uh, without reading back into the Old Testament, when it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, Romans 4 tells us that he was justified by faith. But the whole Bible teaches us that he had to have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit because the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. But it doesn't say that in Abraham's text. And that is where systematic theology helps us to understand the rest of the Bible without reading back into it, without isogesis. We understand that Abraham was regenerated by the Holy Spirit, granted the gift of faith, and believed in what God and was converted and believed in what God had promised him and led a godly life in sanctification and kept the covenant that God had given him. Genesis 26, uh, 4 tells us that Abraham kept all of the commandments, statutes, and ordinances of the Lord in explaining to Isaac why the covenant was continued with him. So, um, Systematic theology is not just studying theories and just spouting them to the people of God or enjoying what Bobby said or Burkhoff said or whoever said, but rather to help us understand all that the Bible's teaching about the doctrine that is in our text so that we may do it justice when we teach it and then apply it to the hearer. To stop at biblical theology and basically just say that we're going to expound the text and tell you what we think it means in the, in the context in which it was given, um, which is, uh, I know this is going to offend some, but that is what many Bible churches do. And I've, I've heard that, I've seen that, 
I've heard it, dispensationalists tend to work on the exegesis to the people instead of teaching the people what the exegesis means and what the biblical theology means and then applying Christ and holiness, the doctrine of, of good works, the doctrine of assurance of salvation, of sanctification and so forth to them. So we can't do without either of those three things, but to try to exalt, uh, for instance, biblical theology over systematic would be self-defeating because it is systematic theology that enables us to use the teaching of biblical theology to form a complete picture, for instance, of the person of God, of the work of Christ, and be able to understand then the progressive revelation of the Old Testament. Now we know what Genesis 3.15 says. Now we know the seed of Abraham. Now we know the seed of David. It is Christ. And when we preach those Old Testament passages, we have the liberty of theology, God's one truth and one mind to explain to the people the exegesis, the historical context, and then the true center of Christ in that text so that they may understand how Abraham was saved before Christ was crucified. Am I getting at what you're asking or I'm just spouting things off, Dave? No, I, I think the example of Abraham, I mean, it's uh, without your systematic theology, uh, there would be a tendency to misinterpret what happened with Abraham, you know, in that event. Uh, so I can even, I think what you're saying is our systematic theology acts as a uh, a guard against a bad interpretation of the text. Right. It gives us what, um, does that, is that, yeah. is that about right? Yes, but it also enables us to preach Christ to the hearer when we're exegeting and exp expositing, I should say, the Abrahamic passages. He was saved in the same way we are saved. And, yeah. It's okay. So we'd be looking at the doctrine of salvation, the, what the whole entire Bible teaches on it, and we'd be able to reflect back now that we have further revelation. Yes, but always first in the text and context, historically, before we uh, explain the whole counsel of God and apply it to our people. Okay. That help? All right. Yeah. yeah. Other, other questions? You. Yeah. Other questions? Okay. Uh, thank you for paying attention tonight. And if you have any questions, just email me and I'll try to get back with you on them. And uh, next time we'll be going into biblical theology a little bit more and then start systematic theology. And that's when I want to go through the various headings of systematic theology and try to show how they prepare a pastor, uh, both in his own sanctification, but also in his own understanding of Scripture and ability to communicate Christ to men. Let's close in prayer this evening. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace that found us in our sin, planned before the foundation of the world, brought to pass through the entire history, of the Old Testament to the birth of our Lord in Bethlehem, to all of his work, to ascended glory and now rule over all things. We thank you 
for that great salvation and for having mercy on such creatures as we are. We pray that you would help us as pastors and teachers never to lose the wonder of grace, that we may teach the truth of God's word for the hearts of his people, that we may preach the gospel clearly to the unbelievers. And in all things Thank you for listening Christ to this week's Lord, episode of Preaching and Teaching, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Thank Theological you. Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help